His people. Welcome to His People Church Online. We're so glad that you could join us. Uh, we've been working hard to make this possible and we just really trust that the Lord would minister to you. We're going to be looking at Psalm 91 and I played a little bit with a, on words and if you look at the slide here, I've entitled it COVID-19 verse David's 91st Psalm. And yes, we're playing on, on the words, but for me personally, I want to tell you that I have found that this is where the challenge is. We can be overwhelmed by the stats regarding COVID-19. But my challenge personally, and for each one of you, is that David's 91st Psalm, Psalm 91, would be a source of courage, a source of strength, and most importantly, a source of faith for you as we face the challenges that this, this generation has never faced before. And so, come with me as we, as we look at Psalm 91 together. And I'm going to be reading to you uh, from the New Living Translation. We're going to put it on the slide over here. And let's read it together. And it says from the, from the first verse, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Let's go on to verse 9. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will come for you. No plague will come near your home. For He will order His angels to protect you, whether you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I'll protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honour them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. This is an amazing portion of scripture. I want to just read a little bit what, what saints of old have said about Psalm 91. Uh, G. Campbell Morgan said this about Psalm 91. He said, This psalm is one of the greatest possessions of the saints. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, who, who is a very famous preacher from the 1800s, he said this, he quoted actually a, a gentleman with a surname of Demais, and he said this, It is one of the most excellent works of this kind which has ever appeared, it is impossible to imagine anything more solid 
more beautiful, more profound, or more ornamented. And I, I love that these words are actually coming from Charles Spurgeon, because I'm going to be quoting from you. I'm going to be sharing a story with you about Charles Spurgeon and how he personally took courage from the song in, in a very tough time when he was a very young preacher. But I wanted to start off by just sharing a little bit of my story and my journey with Psalm 91. It has been a go-to place in Scripture for me for many years when I am wanting the assurance of God's protection. And I want to share a story. When, when I was at university, we, I was with some friends and we were doing a hike and on the second day of the hike we woke up and there were quite a few of our group that had got some sort of stomach infection. And probably about half the group were, had stomach cramps and it was quite a predicament because you cannot carry on hiking um, with that kind of a condition. And we came together and we prayed and the one girl in particular felt that she needed, she needed to be evacuated. She couldn't carry on. But I had such a strong sense that we needed to speak Psalm 91 over, over the group. And, and I got the group together and I remember reading Psalm 91 and we prayed Psalm 91 over the group. And, and myself and a friend, we, we took this girl who had, who had severe stomach cramps, we took her out. It was about a two hour hike, we took her out. And she, she went back home. But to the rest of the group, I, I asked them to spend the two hours we would be away reading Psalm 91, praying Psalm 91. And as I said, when we left, half of them had stomach cramps. The test me is when we came back two hours later, all the rest of those people who had spent two hours reading Psalm 91 could say that the cramps were gone and they were happy to carry on hiking. We had a wonderful hike. No other uh, issues happened on the hike. And I want to, my testimony and my story is that the faith that arose in a bunch of young people's hearts because spending time in God's Word, particularly Psalm 91, caused healing and caused faith to arise in a group of students that were seriously challenged by very real facts they were facing. And so when we face the challenges that COVID-19 is presenting to us, I want to say that these challenges look very different when we look at them through the eyes of Psalm 91. So let's look at the psalm. And it says, it starts off with, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of Almighty. The first verse is so powerful. And I want to highlight just the, the, the first two points that he's making here. He says that he who dwells and in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The picture here is of living in the Lord's shelter, living in the presence of the Lord. And there's a big difference. You know, there are many, many believers who will venture into the Lord's presence on a daily basis. There will be people who will kind of quickly go in, pray a little bit, and then venture out. But they don't walk in God's presence. 
every translation that I have looked at describes a person who actually dwells in the presence of the Lord or lives in the presence of the Lord. And so, yes, we set time aside to spend in His presence. But the, the, the key, I believe, is that we would be aware of His presence when we are going to work, when we are facing the challenges that work throws at us, wherever we go. And, and the Bible says that the person that can walk in the presence of the Lord will know the reality of the shadow of the Almighty. And, and there's two things I want to say about the shadow. The first thing is that if you grew up in the, in the Judean wilderness, a very harsh landscape, a desert landscape, Knowing shade and knowing covering is a very welcome sense of protection. Many people, it's like, great, I'm in the shadow of something. But if you have had the sun beating down on you for hours, you will value what shade means to you. And in this, in this psalm, the, the, the picture of shadow is really a metaphor for all the protection that the Lord is offering in all the different areas that Psalm 91 highlights. And so, the first aspect is that the metaphor of shadow is speaking about the protection of the Lord. And it speaks about somebody who comes into the Lord's presence, who's aware of His presence. That person is aware of the shadow of the Lord. And, and, and the significant thing is this. For you to be aware of the shadow of somebody, you need to be close to them. And that is the reality what the Lord is calling us. He's calling us to in this time to walk close with Him. Many people are, are freaking out that to practice social distancing, schools have been closed. And, and many people are finding they are slowing down. Folks, in God's kingdom, that's never a bad thing. Having more time with the Lord is not a bad thing. Having more time to dwell with Him so that you can be aware of His shadow. You see, when you're walking with somebody close enough to be under their shadow, you've got to stay close to them. And that's what this picture is. But secondly, you can't, to experience somebody's shadow, you actually need to be slightly under them. And that speaks about a submission. That speaks about a coming under and folks, when we talk about walking with the Lord, it is so key to understand that we are coming under Him. He is God. He is Lord. He is, he is the Master of the universe. We are coming under Him. And it's from that place that we experience His protection. So let's go on. I want to read on in verse 2. It says, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. Many, many scholars believe that this psalm was written by David because of the language used, for example, the description of the Lord being a refuge and a fortress. And you know David's story. David spent many years being chased around the wilderness by a king that was out to kill him. And David used, if you read the other Psalms, these, these words to describe the Lord, 
For example, the word of a refuge and a fortress. I want you to think a little bit. Imagine you being chased around the wilderness, a desert, by a king and his army. And, I mean, I remember the one story you, you probably recall as well of David going one side of the mountain and literally Saul and his army are going the other side of the mountain. That's how close they were. They were kind of chasing each other around the mountain. Now, can you imagine David is trying to get away from this crazy king and his army and he sees a fortress. What is a fortress? It's a castle. It's a stronghold. It is a place that you can hide, a place that you can stop running, a place that you can rest, a place that you feel safe, a a place that you're protected. And the reality is that David knew God like that. Just as much as a physical fortress would have been such a place of rest for David, he knew God as that place to him. And this psalm is such a picture of a person, and this person is you and me, that experiences God like a fortress in the midst of a lot of scary stuff happening around. We read the rest of the psalm, there's some scary stuff and we'll look at it. That that can happen around us, but if we experience God as a fortress, as a place where we are protected, folks, it is the best place to be. And he says, I will say of the Lord... Sayings being by the declaration. This is something he declared. He spoke it. He's my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust. My God in whom I trust. And the significant thing is this. That the key to knowing God as your fortress is trusting in Him. It's so simple. It's so profound. You can read the psalm over and over and declare it. But if you don't realize that the key is really the last bit of verse 2, is he says, my God, in whom I trust. It's not a declaration he's making with a mouth. It's with a heart that a man believes. Mm -hmm. There was a deep knowing in his heart and a deep, deep trusting in God. And folks, trusting is very much coming under. David knew the reality of the shadow of God over him as he came under God in trust. That's where it happens. All the rest flows out of that. It says in verse 3, Surely he will save you from the foulest snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. I'm actually reading in my Bible here from the NIV, which is different to the the one on the screen. This is a beautiful picture here. David is now using a metaphor. And it's the metaphor of a bird. And I say this because in, in, in the NIV, which I'm reading here, it says, Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare. Now, what is a fowler? Back in Bible days... There were people who were known as fowlers. A fowler was actually a career. It was a vocation. And a fowler was simply a person whose career it was to catch birds. That's what a fowler did. Caught birds. Various kinds of birds. 
um, and for various reasons. I'm not going to get into that. But the reality is a fowler spent his life working on how to catch birds. And he had various ways to do so. He would set traps. And to set a trap, there were various ways to do it for different, different birds. But you often also had to have a bait to lure the bird into the trap. And so, this picture here, verse 3 and 4, is speaking about this whole picture of a bird. Now, in this picture, we are pictured as the little bird that is being lured into a fowler's snare. Now, now stepping back, who in this, in this picture would be the fowler? You know, the enemy, the devil, is, is mentioned by many words. One of them is the deceiver. And I was thinking about the job of a fowler. And you know, a fowler needs to deceive a bird to get it into its trap. And that's very much like the enemy tries to do. He will, he will put bait. And I, and I remember years ago, years, years ago hearing the story about that the Greek word for the word offense is the Greek word scandalon. And that word scandalon literally means the bait that goes into a trap. And there, right now, there are many places that, that we could be offended. I think the area that is most susceptible is getting offended at God, getting offended at, who could it be? Is it maybe the people in Wuhan that caused this pandemic? Is it the foreigners who are travelling around bringing into our country? Who are we getting offended at? I want to submit to you. Taking that offence, you are, you are being lured by the enemy. And that will rob you from knowing the reality of God's protection. Getting offended, blaming people is not going to help anybody in the situation. It doesn't help your faith. It doesn't help you to know the reality of God's protection. Let's forgive Let's release the people in Wuhan, the Italians, the people who've travelled, people who didn't wash their hands, the people who don't want to wash their hands. Let's forgive them. Let's release them. Let us not fall into the trap of the fowler. And, and it says, he will cover you. The reality is, the picture is of the Lord covering us. And, you know, this is a beautiful picture because Jesus... When, when he was looking at Jerusalem, it says in Matthew 23, verse 37, Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects the chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Jesus, I believe, was actually referring back to this metaphor here in Psalm 91 where it says, verse 4, He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. I want to just read what it says over here. It says, He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armour and protection. And so, it's, it's quite an, uh, a stark contrast here because he's talking about feathers, which are soft. 
But he says that these feathers, he says, are your armour and protection. The reality is, being with the Lord and knowing the Lord, for us it's comfort. It's comfort. It's coming to his presence is like coming under the soft protection of his feathers. It's such a beautiful picture. That's how we experience the Lord's protection. The enemy experiences it different. For him, it's like armour. For him, coming against a a man or woman who has come under the wing of of the Lord's protection, to them, they're bumping against armour. To us, it's the comfort of feathers. It's just so beautiful, this, this picture here. He goes on to say, You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence or the disease that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. He's describing different things that can happen night or day. And folks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the thing is that we are fearing. I actually want to read a little story here. And this is a story from the 1500s, and this is a story of a man called Lord Craven. And Lord Craven, he was a Christian nobleman, and he was living in London when the plague um, hit London. And it says that he determined to leave the city for his country home. But as he was walking down one of the halls of his home, about to enter his carriage, he overheard one of his servants say to another, I suppose by the Lord's quitting London to avoid the plague that his God lives in the country and not in the town. It was a straightforward and apparently innocent remark by one of his servants. But it struck Lord Craven so deeply that he cancelled his journey to the country saying, My God lives everywhere and can preserve me in town as well as in the country. I will stay where I am. So he stayed in London, and he helped during the plague. He helped the victims, and he personally did not catch the disease himself. Here's a story somebody, many years ago, a believer, who faced something very similar to what we did. His conviction was, that God is the same God in the country and in the city. Same God at night and during the day. He's the same God you know in church as when you're lying awake at night wondering what's going to happen to your business, to your family. He's the same God. He is the same God. Take courage from these scriptures. In verse 7 it says, Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. Verse 7 talks about many people. The reality is that God is the God of the one person. And the, the writer over years just highlights the fact that you are never lost in a crowd. I'm never lost in a crowd. God doesn't look at us and just treat us all the same. Folks, He's a God whose protection 
can be targeted to one person in a crowd, even though you feel you're one of 10,000. You say, who am I? I want to tell you, God doesn't ask that. He doesn't see you like that. He sees you as one in 10,000. I want us to just look at this quote. There's a quote by Spurgeon. He said, Do not be afraid. To, sorry, sorry. Not to be afraid is in itself an unspeakable blessing. Since for every suffering which we endure from real injury, we are tormented by a thousand griefs which arise from fear only. And folks, I want to submit to you that probably one of the biggest challenges most of us will face in this time is not physically, but it's the fear of things possibly happening physically. Spurgeon said, not to be afraid is in itself an unspeakable blessing. Scripture says numerous times, do not fear. And so, that is one of my prayers as, as we minister this word. One of my prayers as I was preparing was that this word would come alive to you. And that this word would be a shield to you against innumerable possible fears that could be coming our way. I want to look on at the next verse. Let's go to the next slide. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will come to you, no plague will come near your home. And folks, I think that is reiterating what it says in the first few verses. The protection that we see, that we promised in these verses, are all to those who know the reality of making the Lord our refuge. My prayer for myself, my family, our church, is that in this time we would know the Lord as our refuge. And from that place, the protection flows. It says in verse 11, where he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They'll hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. This is such an interesting portion of scripture and I want to highlight that this scripture is not just referring to one guardian angel. The writer is referring to angels. How many angels? And folks, I really want to ask us that we would pray and, and, and trust the Lord that the protection that we will experience will be a reality because the Lord sends His angels in answer to our prayers. We often don't know how the Lord will answer our prayers, but we know from the scripture and from many others that one of the ways the Lord will execute this protection is through his angel armies. I want to just um, share another little story. And this is a story um, that Charles Spurgeon shares. He says that in 1854, when he had just been in ministry for 12 months, he was a young man, and he ministered in London for, I think it's nearly 50 years, 
He said that in the neighborhood in which he labored, the neighborhood was visited by Asiatic cholera. And my congregation suffered from its inroads. Family after family summoned me to the bedside of the smitten and almost every day I was called to visit the grave. I gave myself up with youthful ardor to the visitation of the sick and was sent for from all corners of the district by person of all ranks and religions. I became weary in body and sick at heart. My friends seemed falling one by one and I felt or fancied that I was sickening like those around me. A little more work and weeping would have laid me low among the rest. I felt that my burden was heavier than I could bear and I was ready to sink under it. As God would have it, I was returning mournfully home from a funeral one day when my curiosity led me to read a paper which was wafered up in a shoemaker's window on Dover Road. I didn't look, it didn't look like a trade announcement, nor was it, for it bore in a good bold handwriting these words, Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. He's quoting the Old King James. So these words were written in the window of this shoemaker's um, window. The effect upon my heart of those words was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. What a beautiful description. He said, faith just took a hold of that passage. I felt secure. I felt refreshed. Girded with immortality. Wow. I went on with my visitation of the dying in a calm and peaceful spirit. I felt no fear of evil and I suffered no harm. I gratefully acknowledge in the remembrance of its marvellous power I adore the Lord my God. So this is how, da- how Charles Spurgeon stumbled upon a verse of scripture from from Psalm 91, in the midst of an outbreak of a disease in London in the 1850s. And it changed his life. And my prayer is that this word would do the same for your heart. And I I just want to highlight, it says, the effect upon my heart was immediate. Faith appropriated the passage as her own. Faith took a hold of these promises. As we're looking at these verses, folks, I don't know which verse the Lord will highlight to you. But be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Which of these words are jumping out of the screen at you? Or just you sensing these are promised from God to you. Spurgeon experienced just somebody writing these words on a shop window in the 1850s brought life to him. I'm trusting the same will happen to you. We have been looking at these scriptures about the angels. Now, I don't know how many of you, when we read those scriptures about the angels protecting, remembered those verses being quoted in Matthew 4 and Luke 4. 
Unfortunately, the person who quotes it was Satan himself in the temptation of Jesus. It was the third temptation. He came to Jesus. He took him to uh, the pinnacle of the temple in Jerusalem. And he quoted these verses and he says, Test the Lord. If you will not send angels, and he quotes this, to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, you won't even hurt your foot. And Jesus rebukes Satan and says, Do not test the Lord. Folks, these scriptures are true. But scripture needs to be applied truthfully. And to use scripture in a way to test God was never its intention. You see, these promises are for those who take refuge in the Lord. These aren't meant to be to show off your faith or your how, how, how wonderfully spiritual you are. Folks, this is, this is meant to do great work in the chamber of your heart. And uh, we also know, therefore, that uh, the enemy does know scriptures. And I encourage each one of you that we know how scripture is meant to be used. Because it goes on to say, uh, verse 13, You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. I don't know why Jesus didn't just go on to quote those verses. Because those verses are so definitely speaking about the onslaught we experience from demonic forces from time to time. To want to quote to you, when I read that, I was so, so reminded of when the disciples came back. The 72 were sent out, 72 disciples, not just the 12. When they came back, they were so excited. They'd been preaching the gospel. But the thing that they were most excited about was not that... People were responding to the gospel. They were amazed that demonic spirits were actually um, submitting to them. And they came back and they were rejoicing. And Jesus saw them rejoicing. And he said this in Luke 10 verse 18. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority, speaking to the disciples, to tread on serpents and scorpions. I mean, that is just so much what this verse in um, Psalm 91 is saying. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall harm you. Verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the serpents are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And folks, absolutely, we rejoice that our names are written in heaven. That is the greatest delight. But the reality is, that we have spiritual authority. Folks, this is a time for us to not throw around our weight spiritually. But folks, it is a time for us to exercise spiritual authority. I believe God is calling us to prayer. We're going to commit to times of prayer in the next season and we'll let you know what those times are. But folks, we are going to pray from a place of authority. You know, we have authority over serpents and over scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Let's go on. It says in verse 14, The Lord says, I'll rescue those who love me. I just want to read what that verse says. Um, it says in verse 14, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. In another translation it says, Because he has set his love upon me, I will rescue him. Folks, there's very much this indication that love was focused on the Lord. 
there's, there's a, these promises and what follows from verse 14 is quite amazing. And I want to just break it down for you. It says, I'll read it and then on the next slide I'll, I'll put it up to you. It says, look at what it says to those who set their love on the Lord. It says, I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and I will honour him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. There are a number of beautiful promises over here. And I just want to put them on the next slide and I want to highlight them to you. Here they are. These promises just in this last verse 14 and 15. Just look at the promise that are there. There's the promise of his presence. It says, I will be with him. That's the promise of his presence. The blessing of his protection, I will deliver him, it says. The blessing of his promotion, I will honour him, the scripture says. The blessing of his prosperity, with long life, I will satisfy him. And finally, the blessing of his preservation, and show him my salvation. The scripture says. Folks, I don't know which of these amazing promises the Holy Spirit is highlighting to you. My, my injunction to you is they are all found in those who dwell in his presence. To those who set their love on him. And verse 9, to those who make the most high your dwelling. I'm looking forward to, as things slow down around us, having more time in His presence. And my prayer is that every one of you, as you spend time in His presence, would know the reality of His shadow over you. His shadow, speaking of His protection. That wherever you go, whatever you do, we would know the reality of the shadow of His protection. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, I pray that even as you looked at Jerusalem and you said, oh, how I long to, to grab Jerusalem as a mother hen would grab her chicks. Jesus, we come into your arms. Lord, may we know the protection that that picture describes. May we dwell, may we live in your presence, Lord. May we know the reality of your shadow. Lord, that's the only shadow we want to be aware of, Lord, is your shadow. We come under, we submit. We say we love you, Lord. We place our trust in you, Lord. We place our trust in this word, Lord. We thank you that this word would come alive as our hearts embrace it by faith, Lord. And we would know the reality of Psalm 91 for our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you folks. Mm-hmm.